This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Now, mm. now I just I just learned that for a long time okay. uh, there Perfect. was a ministry in the UK that uh, was dedicated to making horror films for children. Huh. It's called the yeah. Conservative Party. No, 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 no. They were, they were. I, I, I watched this fascinating, like, little mini documentary about them. They, mm-hmm. they were public service announcements. But like, whoever was in charge hired a bunch of like film school kids right. who all wanted to make horror movies, <laughs> and they made all of these like '90s, '80s era public service announcements. It was probably more '70s through '80s public service announcements, like horror movies, all filmed like horror movies, yeah, like the ones mm. where it was telling you to avoid um, power substations, and somebody getting a ball, it was cutting it like no. <laughs> Yeah, Keep somebody flying, would like die in every single one. There, yeah. w- but there was also some that were very high concept. There was one where it was a like dystopian future where they forced children to run across railway tracks, <laughs> and like over the course of the PSA, like several children die, and the last shot is like just lines of dead children across railway tracks. And I was like, that's an interesting thing for a government ministry to do. <laughs> It was the 70s. We were still traumatized from the final embers of Empire. We were just like, let's let's just film some stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was watching it. I was like, weird with it. Am I watching something that Johnny Sims wrote? Because that feels like what's happening to me. It's like, oh yeah, you watch one PSA and somebody dies, and then suddenly everybody's dying in PSAs, and then you're in the PSA. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you look in the mirror and you are the PSA. There it is. We've got Douglas. You're, you're you're right now leaning over hip. You've performed this spell that that should slow hips bleeding. A enormous turkey and uh, also a very large bird have bowled over the two big owls that are in the fight. What is this which show? sort of yeah, <laughs> which sort of leaves the person who was leading this attack. This person who is. Time and time again, tried to pressure you to to giving up the Kessler family recipe, the the golden asset of this community, mm-hmm. uh, over to the Red Feather Syndicate in exchange for promises of of a great growth in personal wealth. With with Hip, like at least temporarily taken care of, what what do you do? I think he's gonna he's gonna sit there and and, and like as soon as that's done. Because coming up on the scene, he sees Hip down and just is infuriated at this this scene. That that after all this, he's been civil. He's been as cordial as possible with the Red Feathers. And, you know, regardless of how many times they've, you know, shot off at the mouth or been very disrespectful to him or the community members, he's held his tongue because he wants to... You know, he, he he wants to promote as much civility and peace for everyone as possible. He doesn't want to cause problems for the other the other members of his community. But for them to have the audacity to just be like, hey, we asked you, you said no. So screw it. We're going to do what we want. His blood is boiling. And he had to take a deep breath and push that aside for a second to make sure that he focused on hip and, you know, stopped the bleeding, kept him from dying. But now 
that hip is in a stable condition right now, all bets are off. Like he just stands up once he looks at hip, make sure he's, he's okay, stands up, turns around, and you see him just do that that flick with his hands. Both the tonfas just flick out, and he is just slowly walking towards the head guy. Yeah, so I, this guy currently, I, I, I think, is is like pushed back to the ground, if I remember properly mm-hmm. from uh, previous sessions. Got, got bowled over in like one of the wild surprises. Uh, it might have even been throwing the chicken that did it. I yeah. think it was being stomped on by giant chicken, tra- uh, giant turkey Travis. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was uh, giant turkey Travis that knocked him back. Yeah. Yeah, Travis, uh, then I I think, like, Travis sort of, like, rolled through and we'll we'll say sort of overran this fellow who is now, like, trying to get up to his feet and grab his gun to, you know, fire back at the folks who are attacking him and his soldiers. What does Douglas do? So as he's approaching, you see him, I mean, his eyes are just almost blood red from... Like the anger, the the emotion, the tears. So he's just uh, as he's walking up, he's staring at him. He's like, "You came into my home. You assaulted my family. I've tried time and time again. I've tried to be patient with you people, but you don't seem to understand. So I'm gonna say it in a way that you do understand. And he is just gonna take a tomfa to one of the legs." like right at the knee. Yeah, I think while you're saying this on this approach, Travis in overrunning this person and trampling them down hit a lantern that was like held up on this silo. So the light is sort of like flickering on you and away from you as it, as the lantern is like now swinging. You're just getting like slowly closer and closer to this person through the darkness. And let's let's have you roll for this. Two yellows and a green against two purple dice. Or actually, a purple die and a red die. Purple and a red. Purple and a red. And you said two yellow and a green? Mm-hmm. Okay. And roll. Oh. Oh, poor boy. Poor, poor guy. Uh, So that is going to be one threat, two successes, and a triumph. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, that's at least three over. That is going to be more than enough damage to take this person down. Uh, But we do have a crit there. Uh, I guess the first question bees: do you or do you not kill this person? Um, is is one of you inside an airplane? Is oh, that, uh, is sorry. Is that there, a train? I oh. there. I wow. That's the first time that it's come through all the way. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, there's a plane. It's because you didn't have the oh, okay, uh, fast okay. food background sorry. up. That's what filters <laughs> out the sound. It uh, walks no. out. <laughs> Actually, though, yeah. for my recording, they had us mess with our sound stuff so um yeah. oh, they turned the planes up that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah, yeah. fuck they turned it, yeah it's, baby shark is a it's it's a plane in the sea uh, your your mic in the zoom is your computer mic as far as i can tell oh mm. well how about this ah. oh there we go nice oh. all right well is the plane okay all right. <laughs> <laughs> i'm yeah, sorry to break still, this to you it's <laughs> doing donuts up there it's fine it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so okay getting back Douglas, do you kill this guy? I would say no. I don't kill him, but he wishes to God he was dead. I think I <laughs> yeah. I think I beat yeah. him just mercilessly and like he is unable to do anything. Like arms, legs broken, just he is in a bad way. Yeah, I I, I think what happens, like you move in actually yeah, you, you you move in and you go for that leg. You get him on the knee, he tries to bring up his carbine uh to like shoot at you and i think you break his wrist Mm. holding it and then there is just like a swift flurry of attacks tanfas are really brutal weapons they're they're not ones that that a lot of folks think about like but they can extend your reach they can uh enhance like most physical blows and they move 
very, very quickly. It's not quite, you know, a, a rattan or an escrima situation, but it can be brutal. And th- this person is disoriented and in more pain than he's ever been in his life. I, I think, Douglas, you are leaving a lasting mark on this person. Everybody who, you know, sees them after this and, and probably even for years after this is going to know that that you beat him here today. Mm. What what mark is that? What does it look like? And I don't want to get too graphic, but I think what he does, like after he's done, the dude's like just breathing heavy, uh, so hurt, and he's just going to stand above him and be like, since you st- don't seem to understand who you were dealing with, let me help you out. Let me give you a little reminder so every time you look in the mirror, you'll remember the mistake you made today. And I think he's going to carve a stone onto, like, his cheek. Interesting. I, I'll i meet you halfway because we're okay. using a blunt weapon here. Well, uh, yeah, I would assume he had, like, a knife on him or something just because of, like, cutting rope and stuff or... <laughs> things like that okay okay yeah so so go all right all right so you you pull out a knife and you know make make a rough circle a stone in his cheek Mm. and i'm pretty sure from this moment this guy passes out that's just taken down we do have a threat but i'm i'm Mm. gonna hold that off for later or no you know what a threat I am going to say that uh, that threat happens right now in that there were people who were in the silo itself. Mm -hmm. One of them seeing this raises a a firearm to level at Douglas. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, Tyler, Jonnet is going to be able to react to this person to try and stop them from shooting Douglas. But really how much damage Douglas stands to take from this uh, is kind of in Jonnet's hands right now. So what what sort of attack are, are you doing as you see somebody raise a firearm against your father? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel like I haven't used an actual skill from my OG <laughs> character sheet in mm. ever. Mm. Let's let's look at the clock. It might be ever. <laughs> it might be ever. Um, one second. Boop boop boop. Do I have quick draw? Yeah, I have quick draw. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Woo! So I I feel like the the what we see is uh someone like is getting ready to take a shot against Douglas Jonnet, who kind of just finished dunking somebody with the- That's a technical term. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so he's got his Kasarigamas in his hand, but he sees this about to happen. And I think he just reflexively like drops the, the knife end and so he can like reach across, grab his pistol and just fire from the hip at this guy. All right. Yeah. Roll it up. I love right. that. Uh, so. so I believe that is a point blank ranged attack. So I, I think and I could be doing the rules wrong here. And I also don't care as we're probably going to be exiting this system <laughs> relatively soon. We'll do one purple die. This is an easy attack. Oh, <laughs> okay. Do, is there like an in-game mechanic for like this just like exploding a person? Because I got five successes. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, so I, I guess what happens like this person is taken out of the fight, Tyler. Yeah. But you succeeded like with 
you're just doing so much over the level of success that you need that you can resolve this however you want. Like, do you kill this guy? Do you disarm this person? What happens? <laughs> okay. So what's going to happen is Jonnet is going to, he's going to first fire from the hip. His aim is strictly going for the person's gun. So Jonnet shoots the gun. I imagine it like gets shot out of the guy's hand. The guy looks around in like like surprise, sees that it's Jonnet, and then maybe like takes a half step to like head towards Jonnet, and then all of a sudden the earth underneath this person is going to rocket up and then just gonna shoot this guy through the roof. He becomes a little plank in the stars, <laughs> and we never see him again. <laughs> no, I like that. I I, I think I, Fair. I wanna add to it like you 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 draw, you you know, fan the hammer to a fire. Your bullet causes this person's gun to explode. I mean, these are very what in our world would be kind of early 1800s revolvers. Some of the first Colts are not especially solidly put together. So metal fragments go everywhere. The guy, you know, is surprised, but like sort of unharmed. Those those fragments didn't pierce him uh, or, or whatnot. And he turns to see this 15-year-old, you know, and the barrel of, of their revolver like smoking in the light and like decides I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go after this kid still it is just a kid after all mm-hmm. takes a step for you towards you and that is when like the glow in your third eye becomes apparent there is like a spark he can see the tendrils of the universe lighting up and most importantly he can feel the earth shifting beneath his feet and that I think does indeed launch him through the roof of the building, never to be seen or heard from again. Maybe even out in orbit. <laughs> Boom, gone. Bing. He does. He does say um, blasting off again. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And, and Meowth does follow him. Yeah, we didn't mention that Meowth was in this scene the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you paid attention, you'd know. Mm-hmm. One should presume. Unless stated otherwise, mm-hmm. that Meowth is it the scene. I'm always off camera, just <laughs> okay. waiting for my moment. <laughs> oh, was, uh, let's do a hard pivot into just doing Team Rocket stuff, actually. <laughs> but also, like, I get mouth. Our mouth impressions now throw me back to uh, Aaron Keefe's Coco Cashmere. Uh, oh. <laughs> which is very is like forefront of my brain right now. <laughs> let's let's get let's get Aaron on the show again. I think a hard team rocket pivot is exactly what <laughs> for for this. Okay, I want to turn before we we go back to dealing with the situation with Hip. Gable is currently, you know, using Griffin training techniques to hold down these owls. But I, I think it's going to be hard for them to do that alone. I would like to turn to Travis now. Travis, mm. you're Big Bird. Um, a a big, bird. big Bird. No. A Big Bird, not the Big Bird. I do think it's important to clarify whenever it comes up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're not... You're not traveling to try and break into public television. I want to know, was there anything that you can do to help Gable? And do you do it? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Two compelling questions. I mean, I think I can, you know, stomp around, which is, I'm finding quite fun. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like the idea. Can we see... If you can just like sit on them, you're a big turkey. I, I kind of feel like if we had a, a full size turkey and two owls in real life, that the turkey would nearly be able to just sit on the owls and that would be it. <laughs> owls, some owls are big. Are these big owls? Barn oh, wait, owls. these are, b- these are regular owls. owls, though. 
No, no, these are these are Griffin. Oh, okay, okay, owls. they are. They are. Are you saying? Do you think that I was just like holding two like regular size owls? <laughs> For, <laughs> I, I really do like Gable triumphantly breaking into a fight as like, don't worry, I've got the owls. Owls. <laughs> owls are tough customers. Okay, so I am bigger than than these. Yeah, let's 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 sit on them, baby. All right, so I think we're like rolling two, for like girth here. Two little eggs. Yeah, yeah, two beautiful owl eggs. Uh, I, I, I kind of think this is probably four green dice against two purple. Yeah, I don't see a sit uh, combat skill. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing that like we'd be defaulting to brawn in this situation, but using like a, a Griffin Turkey's brawn instead of Travis's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's hey, that's two successes and an advantage. Mm. All right, so I, I think then what I'll give you, Johnny, is that Travis like sees this situation and like kind of furls up the way that turkeys do, like splays those feathers out, looking really big, and just rolls in and sits down. And the advantage that I'll give you is. That you're also sitting on Gable too. Hey, that is hey, sort of the most efficient way to do it. I don't see why we got to do that. I don't see how that's <laughs> useful because it takes me out of combat, and that's oh. But if that's but what this you want is, to do. this is good for all of the 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 Trable crush, human I, crushing. Uh, oh fans. no, that's worse. I, <laughs> that's much worse. I need to go pass away. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go do that. Yeah, well, like, there is one red feather remaining. Liz, I, I could turn to you if you if you wanted to take out this. I'm individual. being sat on. Yeah, can't do can, nothing. Give it back to Douglas. Scramble. <laughs> you can scramble. Well, I think I think like if if it's not Gable, what I think happens is this person is just going to surrender. Right. <laughs> the, the the more important thing mm. is over to Oromar and. Sure. There were three possibilities in my mind mm-hmm. of how this situation could be handled. One of it could have been Gable trying to use divine power. The, the other could have been a very risky maneuver from Jonnet using guidance from his eye. Uh, but there is also something in it if it is you. We see Hip on the ground, bleeding. There is a gunshot wound. I think... For many reasons, Oromar is kind of an ideal candidate to help. <laughs> Although you don't really have fine motor control uh, as, as such in your hands, you do have a connection to your heart. And inside your heart is Dreth's soul. Mm. I think you can perform surgery. Oh, I see. Hmm. What I was maybe going to do as a float mm-hmm. as an alternative is this third yeah. red feather in the silo saw one of their friends got turned into mist, another one flung into the ether. This third one tries to run, and Orima's like, oh, no, 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 no. Whips the arm that has been turned into this, like, chain of, like, bony spines, a literal human spine, and just drags him outside possibly to where Hip is. And I like, because most of the magic that Oromar knows, because I do have, what, a yellow and two green in Divine for how Mm -hmm. my bone shaping stuff works, is essentially dragging life force out of this guy and then putting it into Hip to cure him that way. Grim! Cool. You know? Yeah. Cool. You just got to siphon some of the gas out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, uh, this this uh, uh, red feather turns to run and then just sees some spine come out of field of vision and just wrap around his upper shoulders and pull tight. And uh, he turns around to look to see who it is. And I think Oromar's jaw has been dislocated by being picked at by giant You did mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It turns around and sees the the dread pirate captain Oromar jaw hanging loose, just pulling on the chain of his arm, dragging this dude back in. It's bad. (laughs) 
I would like you to roll your divine check then. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is going to be hard. Sure. But yeah, moving life force around is kind of the thing that Oromar has gotten really good at. Mm -hmm. Mostly it's been moving from Travis as as a you know semi-willing victim, but but now like actually targeting another person, we're starting to see necromancy in a different way. Uh, until this <laughs> moment, necromancy has been mostly a thing that has been used to heal people and help people, but we're about to see if it's possible to drain life force from one person. I'm still helping people. Put that life force in you know, else. somebody <laughs> has help, helped in you're this You're helping exchange. specific, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's necromancy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my odds are pretty reasonably even here, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Right, yeah. Cool. Uh, no, I flub that. <laughs> oh, no. Mm. Those are disadvantages. So we have a failure and one threat. Okay. What I think happens. Oromar, right now, you are operating off of theory, mm -hmm. and you're testing that theory right now. Dreth is someone who spent years studying under a master necromancer, learning the theory behind moving life force and using it to affect bodies. And you have had sort of a, a crash course. You have been trying to pick up a, a set of tools that you had seen operated and move them yourself. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, you have been doing admirably well in doing that. Not only have you been able to use life force to reactivate the pathways that uh, Dref had set down for you, you've been able to create new pathways of your own, all pulling from this energy source that is Travis, allowing both you and Travis and Dref's spirit to all remain alive and intact. But now, you're working from a completely different situation. Mm -hmm. You are trying to connect one unwilling person to another and pull force from them. And I think in this, you hit your first hiccups. You try to open up a, a necromantic bridge between hip and this feather. And I think the energy like like you you start pulling out this life energy and you can see this person everybody who is able to see this desiccating before your very eyes like like their skin starts to sallow mm -hmm. and and sink in their eyes definitely bulge out a little bit they they you know start aging their hair grows and turns white it is a nasty horrible process and Oromar, in front of you, you can see the light mm -hmm. of their energy, like this death bloom coming out. And with that, we, we enter once again the spiritual space. Mm. We, we can see the, the blue-green light that is Oromar and his, his house held up by necromantic cobwebs. And we can see out in the distance, far, far away, the lights that we know as nodes of the cutting stone, suddenly searching, searching for this bloom of necromantic energy. Mm. At this time, Oromar, you know you have really just seconds to act before you draw the attention of the stone. Should they fall upon you here and now, it's difficult to say whether you'd be able to mount a proper defense or reconceal yourself. You turn to hip to try and use this energy through a, a divine necromantic bridge to heal hip. And what you find is hip not being a, a willing subject in this ceremony, in this spell, does not have an opening for this bridge. There's nowhere for this energy to go. Mm. 
the the processes through which DREF needs to work on victims who or victims, I say, <laughs> on patients who are <laughs> friends, friends. Yeah, who are not aware uh, of what he is doing. Like there needs to be a, a baseline of, of trust established, if not in DREF the person, then in, in DREF's uh, authority, mm-hmm. institution, uh, knowledge. And it's not there with HIP. And so there is a natural defense that shuts down the body to a process like this. You could try and force it through, but you recognize the connection between Hip's spirit and his body is so tenuous already that forcing it through might kill him. Mm. In that case, because obviously if uh, Hip's soul is fully severed from his body, then the cutting stone going to get him. And if the cutting stone are being drawn towards a sudden burst of soul energy, then maybe if I can't use it to heal Hip, then I can at least use it as bait to divert the cutting stone from other targets. Ooh, I like that. So there's like almost, a, I, I think we see normally within the soul space of Oromar, we get like a little Shaman King style soul orb with a pirate hat. But uh, I think in this particular instance, it is an actual kind of almost polygonal mesh of Oromar Veil. And he's swirling that the energy that he's drawn from the feather between his hands and tries to conduct a like direct it towards hip. And there is that wall, that error message that comes up that the this uh the intended recipient has rejected the message. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Just to s- accept the terms, accept the terms, hip. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Nobody reads the TOS. It's an end-life user agreement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and nice. uh, with with the, the cutting stone approaching, he instead just kind of swells it in his hands and just sends it directly up into the air. And I think that is actually visible to everybody. Almost there is, with Oromar, the physical body standing stock still while trying to process all this information. Their gloved, non-spiny hand just points directly up in the air, and then just a beam of energy and light goes straight up into the nothingness. Yeah, I, I want to I wanna adjust that a, a tiny bit. I, first of all, I love the image of Oromar like whipping his his hand spine out and dragging this person towards him, and then this person sort of like convulses and twitches on the ground before going still, mm. while Oromar is com- standing completely stock still and definitely you raise a hand towards the night sky and people can see an energy dissipating but instead of a beam i kind of feel like it's gotta be a a shadow it's gotta be like this greenish blue shadow Mm. that hits the night sky it looks so much like a ghost light like the fire that the mariner sets along the coast it burns up in a plume in the sky. It is brilliant, beautiful, and haunting. It's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. I want to thank all of our listeners out there for being patient with us last week. If you did not see on Twitter, Casey Tony came down with a little case of COVID, and so we wanted to give him the time off that he needs to recover. We don't have a ton of resources over here at OSN. We are stretched very thin, especially now, but it's really important to me that I be able to give the people who work with me breaks when they need it. And it means the world to me to have an audience that understands and supports that. Speaking of supportive audiences, I also want to thank everyone who supports us over on Patreon. Without that support, we would not be able to afford to work with the magnificent Casey Tony in the first place. And that absolutely makes Skyjacks a better show. If you like what you're hearing over here on Campaign Skyjacks, please head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and consider signing up to support us. 
That money pays for everything we do around here and makes the show better. In return, you get cool bonus content. We just wrapped up a short series starring Bobby Jean and Braith. So if you want the inside scoop on what happened to them at the in-between point of last season of Courier's Call, sign up at the $5 level and find out. Over here at One Shot HQ, we are currently working on a piece of bonus content that is not Skyjacks related necessarily, but is really exciting. And I do think everybody who listens to Skyjacks is really going to enjoy it. I expect that to be rolling out in the next week or two. So now is a great time to sign up for Patreon and be ready to listen to that new series as soon as it hits the secret archive now then with all of that out of the way let's get back in the sky and at this point i think it is a good time for us to drop out of combat Mm -hmm. i think we get to see gable probably wiggle their way from beneath travis um i think i think they should roll (laughs) oh yeah there's a little cartwheel out from beneath (laughs) travis uh And everybody is sort of confronted now with with the problem that that Ormar uh, just struggled to solve, which is there are only perhaps minutes, perhaps seconds, it is unclear before the spell that Douglas cast to preserve Hip expires. And then once again, Hip's life hangs in a very delicate balance. Who wants to step up? I don't. Well, I I feel like it can't be John. It, yeah, I'm about to say you can't see. Well, him. yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Tyler. I I have been thinking about this too because I I feel like we we, we tried with Oromar. Oromar didn't succeed. Therefore, I feel like that path is close to us. There there are two options here. One is having Gable try to do angel stuff and and heal this person. That that is something that Gable has done before. I happen to know what Gable's roles are on that. There's a pretty even chance of success. With you, I kind of think, while Jonnet can't see Hip, cannot perceive Hip, with Jonnet's eyes, there is nothing that can be hidden from his third eye. Jonnet could look through the universe at Hip and, you know, sort of deadening his own perceptions, basically enter a meditative state where he would be able to perform whatever medical procedure is going to be necessary to save him. And I'm kind of thinking that at this point, because we've tried magic once, magic is going to be a daunting check. But a medical check, something that that is, and, and when I say magic... I mean, using divine energy to heal is going to be a daunting check. But performing a surgery of some kind, that I think is going to be a hard check, which is much more possible. And I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if there was if there was a moment where like, John has a chance to like, hey, everyone's gathered around this, this empty patch of floor and also the floor is bleeding... I can I can deduce the rest. This person hip is is here and he's under stress and 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 in in dire straits. My medicine is pretty low. Pretty pretty low. But here's the thing, like Jonnet, what well, this is a bizarre way of using magic without technically using magic because what would Jonnet would be doing? And again, there will be penalties to this. This would be probably uh, getting two black dice to the check. But Jonnet would be using the guidance of his third eye, rolling that arcane check to see how he is supposed to move his hands to bring himself to an inevitable future where everyone is relieved instead of grieved. So, like, you can see, like, okay, if I move my hand like this to sew this up, it ends in a future where everybody is upset and sad, but if I do this, 
to Jonnet from Jonnet's perception, essentially moving your hands through the air in a way that like, you're not touching anything as far as you're aware, but to everybody else's view, it would be you, you know, extracting the bullet and sewing up the wound clothes. Like this is going to be tremendously difficult, but probably not as difficult as summoning enough divine energy in one place at one time to shoot it into this person to completely close up this wound, if that makes sense. Now, now James, Mm -hmm. the inner nerd in me uh, wants to somehow, some way, see if there's any possible way I can father, son, Kamehameha this. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Because the way that I was thinking about this is like, John, it it feels like to go to do all of that feels like a lot. And so my, my thought is like, what if John, it like looks through his third eye and can get as far up to like, Oh, I can't see hip, but I can see the bullet in hip. And I know that it should not be here. So I need to remove it. And then maybe Douglas gets the other half. (laughs) Okay. 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 I do like this. So so splitting one check into two checks, I, I think this is going to be two regular hard checks. One is going to have to be medicine. Okay. The other is going to be arcane. That is, you know, you're basically lensing your perception here. I really liked what you said about seeing blood on the ground because it it presents us with like an interesting answer to a almost ship of Theseus style philosophy question, which is if a man bleeds on the ground, is that blood still a part of him? <laughs> and the answer that our universe provides is a resounding no. Nah. There is a point where blood gets blood far now. enough from the body. <laughs> That's just blood up for grabs. <laughs> Uh, five second rule five second rule (laughs) i I do as far as the medicine check goes if you want to split that with me my medicine's pretty good i've got a yellow and a green on it or if you just want to do it all i i like you you and douglas teaming up for that that's pretty cool this is i think a three-person operation or like if if this is more appropriately father-son thing i can also use my medicine to zip up or Mars. Gable is always welcome. <laughs> Gable's always welcome. Mm, yeah, speak I for want yourself. To... <laughs> there. <laughs> the captain is does have a jaw that's hanging <laughs> off that I can help with. We'll, we'll start with Jonnet's check. What what I think happens is like Jonnet sees this scene, and Douglas is there, and I think Douglas, like you're you're probably like shakily removing the 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 tampas that that you have. And looking at the situation and knowing that this situation right here, right now, extends beyond your medical knowledge in that you could probably, you know, do something to slow bleeding or whatnot, but removing a bullet and closing up this wound, like you need a doctor for that. And you just can't do that on your own. And I, I think you recognize Jonnet on your father's face. You have experienced this. And in a lot of ways, his reaction is similar to yours of seeing something that is truly beyond your ability, but you know it needs to be done. You understand that feeling of powerlessness. And I feel like I feel like it is very easy to to feel called in to step up when you recognize that feeling in someone else. Yeah. And and so I think with that, I will... So my my check right now, let me double check. Is this the... Is this I'm opening my third eye to see the bullet or is this me removing the bullet? Which one comes first? The, I, I think opening your third eye to perceive the bullet Gotcha. Is is part of the thing. All right. Yeah. And so what am I I'm rolling that against a hard? Yeah, I, I think this is hard. You're you're okay. trying to perceive what you can of this person. Gotcha. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I don't think I've ever failed that bad before. Oh no. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Uh so that is four advantages, but four for threat or for uh, failures. Oh, holy shit. Mm. 
Yeah. So what, <laughs> what we have here. Okay, so you were trying to perceive the bullet and have failed to perceive the bullet. Mm. Okay, what this signals to me is that this bullet is kind of a part of this person now. Yeah. Like however however hip was struck, this bullet is is not able to be fully removed. What you can do with four advantages though, I think you can perceive the wound and in a very specific way, I think you can see every single ruptured vessel as you see blood coming out and you and the universe recognize that that blood is no longer a part of that person and therefore it is no longer barred to you. So for advantages, what this is going to do, Donnett, you know exactly where and how this person is bleeding, which means that you would be able to guide Gable in closing up internal wounds, but I think it falls to Douglas to, to like do everything externally. What, what, do, what do you say sort of recognizing this? Taking all this in, seeing distressed father, takes off his bandana, tries to perceive hip there. I think it's one of those things where the more energy, for for. Everything that that John has gone through up to this point, all the growing he's done, truly when it comes to like reversing or finding a loophole in this like arcane magic, like the universe is like, no, you cannot see this person. And so he tries harder, harder, harder. And the best that he can do is just he can see like a concentration of just like energy of just like what would be a point in the divine pathways of the universe at like this one section sort of hovering in the air. And Jonathan can piece together that someone is on the ground. There is something ha- like stuck, like right here, like, you know, right in the rib cage, but Jonathan just doesn't know that that's a rib cage. So what he does is, <laughs> which I guess doesn't really seem that helpful. Cause like you could just see someone's, just got shot but like he just points to like it's right here and so he points one down and then he also points like towards the side to give like an x and y coordinate and be like whatever this is that is where it is well yeah i i want to i want to point out that jonnet is is again we, we were trying to perceive the bullet john has failed to perceive the bullet so what instead john oh, is seeing right now is the wound like the broken veins themselves which to a normal doctor would mean nothing to Gable, who would heal through divine energy, having the specific instruction of like, it's this vein here that has been disconnected from this vein root here and whatnot. Like that is a specific direction to the spell that I think would give Gable a, a blue dye on healing. The, the thing that will need to happen is Douglas is going to need to actually put in the stitches one additional thing maybe to suggest on the roll, since we know that we have more time before the cutting stone arrives to separate body and soul, mm-hmm. is that worth an additional blue dye because they can take their time working on it? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they technically have the ability to preserve this body a bit longer. I, I think that is worth another blue dye. Two blue dyes for so, me? Two, two blue dice. Two, or two blue dice. Bees. Yes, sir. I, I think we're going to have you make a medical roll here. You're you're doing stitches at this point, which I, I think no matter what with Douglas's past, like he's absolutely done stitches before. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I, I don't think he's probably great at stitches. So what I'm going to say, this is going to be a, I think, a two yellow die check. Two yellow dice versus three purple, but with two blue dice. Okay. And Gable, this is going to be a divine check. That oh, I thought I was doing hard. a medical check. You're both doing one. Okay. This is a team effort. So so these are two separate actions. You, Liz, are healing internal wounds. What Douglas is doing is trying to heal external wounds. And the bullet, unfortunately, has to be left in there, which is not ideal. (laughs) 
but <laughs> it's what. But what did you mean by divine? So a divine, you're, you're using divine magic to heal, and what you're doing is healing the veins internally that Jonnet has has pointed out have been severed. Well, I'm I'm asking, do you want me roll on medicine or magic? Oh, oh, magic for sure. Oh, then <laughs> all right, that's hmm. much better. All right. Yeah, so your your Liz, it's hard with two blue dice for you, and bees, it, it, it's hard two yellow and two blue versus versus three purple. So I'm rolling. <laughs> that, that's three threats, three successes, and a triumph. Okay, like All right, here we go. that pool was pretty nuts. I, that's why I was asking if you wanted oh, me to my. roll on medicine because all my divine checks are silly. <laughs> Godlike, one would say. Yes, <laughs> I've I murdered God and took his dice. <laughs> Give me those dice, you divine <laughs> piece of shit. That's what all of this was for. <laughs> Worth it. What are the odds of that? All right, so this is a really ugly job that he does, oh. but it's a success and a threat. Success okay. and a threat. Okay. okay, so we have. Four total threats on the table. A lot of successes, meaning I I think the bleeding is managed. At this point, we know for certain that hip is not going to bleed out. We also have a triumph here. And the triumph is something that I'm really interested in. I want to put this in Liz's hands. So, what you are trying to do essentially with this check is close up these bleeding veins and st- stop that internal bleeding. But you did more than that. I have, you did more have than what you were idea. trying to do. What James, did you do? I have an idea. So what if, because this is divine magic and we're dealing with like blood vessels and stuff and like, what if doing this sort of infuses hips body with enough magic that John can start to see him again. Okay. How do I want this to be? Because I love mm-hmm. this. I really, really love this. But it's gotta end up weird. <laughs> but like what? If you, you could just see like blood vessels operating. Like, I mean, so just... what, what you are doing through this, you are using divine energy. You are creating a connection between the universe and this person. And we have established through the flashbacks with Teacher Way that it is possible to connect a person to the universe without using an angel feather. Mm -hmm. So kind of what I think happens is... You, like, like Douglas shakily sews up this wound and Gable, like, is standing over this and I think essentially taking a power pose here, you know, this is like a divine angel power pose and we can even see through like the crackling energy of the universe, the, the flickering eyes that make up the scant wings that Gable's angelic form has rebuilt for itself, like shining a halo over this situation. And Douglas finishes shakily sewing up this ugly but totally functional stitch over this wound. And we can see in the dim lantern light and the divine shining from Gable that after it is finished, like the wound like pulls taut closed and that feel and like you can see, see a little bit of divine glow. And then it looks like the wound opens again. But what you're actually seeing is an eye, an eye formed over hip's side. That is an angelic eye not unlike Jonnet's. It is currently stitched shut. (laughs) Jonnet, what you see, like we were talking about veins and whatnot, what you see is the circulatory system that is now supporting this divine object within Hip's body. It is Hip, sort of, a part of Hip, but it is also just 
a part of the universe that is not a part of hip. It, it's like this faint sort of Schrodinger's cat situation. There's two things at the same time. So I, do I see like, do I see the, the, the network of veins and like, like muscle systems, but I just don't, I can't see like skin and face. Yeah. Okay. And you see yeah. an eye. You yeah, like when the, all... when Hip is standing back up, you will see kind of an eye and veins sort of like floating in the air. Mm. Yeah. So I think that happens. Like there's concentration of energy around like the side of Hip, and then I just start to see the shape of a. Wow, there is a. Well, I, I my mic is on now, so you probably don't hear that, but there is like a. <laughs> Some kind of like the Blue Angels are in town or some shit. <laughs> that, just right over one. my house. I thought you were caught up in your story. <laughs> you saw something or you heard something. It was like, yeah. wow, man, this this podcast is dope. No. Um, okay, so and then he sees like a concentration of energy at his hip, and then there is just this emanating like white, blue, hot light, and he just kind of he immediately understands like what this must be. And then he just kind of walks up to Gable and Gable, what did you just do? I hell, I didn't, nothing happened and everything's great. Goodbye. Cause Gable <laughs> knows immediately what happened and doesn't want anyone else to notice <laughs> because <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> There's a lot of people that we don't know and we don't need to tell everyone's, story so he's, just like, <laughs> he's alive turn tail and goes right back to the barn owls and traps <laughs> <laughs> oh cable just like scrambles underneath travis again no <laughs> I, I, not underneath <laughs> just no. like i gotta take care of these birds now everything's fine there was something i found very charming about just diving into the big pile of feathers uh <laughs> And disappearing. The collective but... pile of owl and bird. <laughs> yes. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. The history of role-playing games is weird and wild, and we here at System Mastery are determined to look through it all. Every heartbreaker that drove a man to bankruptcy to see his vision of D&D with really specific armor maintenance rules come to fruition. Every game where you get increasingly certain as you read it that this is all just one person's weird fetish. Every system that painstakingly recreates how medieval life was really like, and then also you can cast Fireball. The System Mastery podcast wallows in the filth of RPG history. Come! Join us in the muck at System Mastery. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Like Skyjack's Courier's Call, an all-ages-friendly actual play podcast set in the world of Sphere. Skyjack's Courier's Call follows three teens as they set out as new apprentices aboard an airship with the Swiftwell Courier Service, bringing mail and adventure across the world. Featuring Drew Merzieski, Palomi Pertap, Aaron Catano Saez, and Ali Grauer, and using the Cortex Prime system, this show is perfect for anyone just getting started listening to actual plays, and veterans of the tabletop genre alike. Join clever but anxious Kieran, bold, fast-talking Cece, and the loyal and strong June aboard the Red Audrin ship as they sort and deliver mail, encounter powerful magic, and learn the proper skills of an Ariner along the way. Right wrongs, do mercies, and take flight. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku channel for free. Just search for The Shortlist summer gable was played by liz anderson who can be found on twitter at liz anderson underscore 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 or on her podcast paired travis madigo was played by johnny o'mara who can be found on twitter at johnny and briefs or on his podcasts bill buds and dilettante ball captain oromar vale was played by nathan blades who can be found on twitter at phantom arts ent 
You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, or on his podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists, and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. And once for our friends near rise, twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.